My goodness, what wonderful worship. Let's open our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. So today, this morning, we close out this sermon series that we, we entitled Stand. So go to, with me to Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to start reading again in verse 10. And isn't it amazing how the Lord has led in this sermon series, but especially I want everyone to take note how so appropriate this morning's passage of Scripture has been. In my 20 years of getting to pastor here, uh, there have been events in the life of our church. We had a fire here in our worship center one time. The entire thing had to be gutted. Uh, we, uh, 911, I mean, events in our world there have been so many times when where we were in the scripture was exactly where we needed to be for that particular moment in time. And if in any way you think, boy, that pastor of ours, he knows just the right scripture passage, put that far from your mind. I'm not nearly smart enough, nor do I know any of the events that are going to happen in our church, in our world, in our nation, anything. I don't know that. But instead, always see it as an expression of God's love that at this very moment, what is it that we need to be looking at and focusing our eyes on? We need to be thinking, reading, and focusing in on the Word of God. We need to be praying. Our world needs to see us persevering, standing strong in order so that we may proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ. And that is exactly what this passage of scripture is about. If I, if you had challenged me, come up with a verse of scripture for this particular Sunday at this time in our world, I could not have picked a better passage than what we're going to read this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to go ahead and start again in verse 10 because I I want us to get the full context. And again, listen to how God has provided so, so many times as we're watching the news and we see those individuals, medical professionals, and they are completely covered in a hazmat suit. And I mean, the, the hose is coming out, going to filtered fresh air. And we think, boy, that's what I need to go online and order me one of those and just walk around wearing one of those. Okay, even more than that, we need the full armor of God. That's what we need right now. And that's what we've been talking about. Ephesians chapter 6, here we go, verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm, stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, And having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, 
Take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation. And here we go this morning. And the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints and also for me, that words may be given to me in opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. The word of God, prayer, perseverance, and boldly proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ. That is exactly what we need right now. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I can't do this without you. And Lord, what we're about to do is hearing from you. Lord, we, we can't do it without you. Lord, change us. I pray that each one of us would be open, that we would open our hearts and that, Lord, we would change today. Lord, we are far past the time of being a cultural Christian, of just saying, well, I'm a Christian because I live in Oklahoma, live in Oklahoma City. Lord, you are calling us to follow you and to love you with all of our heart. And so, Lord, I pray that the word of God the work of the Holy Spirit would change us today for your name's sake. Lord, I pray for someone to be saved. Lord, may we recommit our heart to you, add to us, call out from us, Lord. And we thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so look again at 17. So start at 17 because we need to grab the verb from 17 as we look at this last piece of armor. Paul writes in verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. So the verb take carries over from helmet of salvation to the sword of the Spirit. And I want you to know, not only do we need to make sure we understand the verb take there, we need to understand to whom he's talking. He is writing this letter to the church at Ephesus. He is writing it to a church family just like we are. But notice, as he's writing to a church family, he's saying, you put on the full armor of God. You take up the armor of God. You put on the helmet of salvation. You take the sword of the spirit. You take the sword of the spirit. Friends, we are gathered this morning as a church family, but what God wants to do this morning is to make sure that you are standing firm. Whenever we sit together as a church family, we say, well, I know that there are others who are standing firm, and so it really doesn't matter what I do. That's not true. It's okay for other people to read the Bible. I don't necessarily need to read the Bible, yet Paul says, you take up the sword of the Spirit. Friends, every single one of these pieces of armor is meant to be taken up by the individual believer in a corporate context. As a family of believers, each one of us individually 
fastening on the belt of truth, putting on the breastplate of righteousness, our shoes shod with the readiness of the gospel of peace. We've put on the helmet of salvation. We take up the shield of faith and we take up the sword of the spirit. And so for just a moment, let's make sure that we understand this about you take up the sword of the spirit. My, my wife and I take the paper. I've mentioned that to you before. The other day we were talking about, are we going to renew our subscription or not? Boy, they're getting pretty proud of, of the newspaper, of delivering it to your house. Uh, and, and so we were talking about that. And uh, from my standpoint, if I read, the, I read a little bit of the sports section and that's really about it. But my wife... Lana, she comes by this honestly. The first time we started dating, you know, in Seminole, you'd go to Sonic. That's about the only thing to do. We didn't have a movie theater. We didn't really have places to eat much, a pizza hut. We'd go to Sonic, get a Coke. We'd go to her house, watch TV with her folks. We would walk in. Her dad would be holding a newspaper in front of him, the Seminole producer. And he would read that thing from beginning to end. It would take all of about eight minutes. Usually it's about six pages long. But I mean, he would read every word of that newspaper. The ads, the obits, he read it all. And so my wife comes by that. Honestly, she loves to read the paper. And I mean, she pretty much reads it all. And there will be those occasions where she says, you know, I'm, I'm getting ready. I'm getting ready to leave. And she'll say, oh, there, there's a good article. You need to read this. And here's oftentimes what I say. Would you please read it for me and tell me what it says? And it's because I, I probably don't have a, a few minutes there where I can sit and read the article. So can you kind of read it for me and tell me what it says? And did you know that a lot of times that's what we do to our Sunday school teachers? Would you read that for me and then tell me what it says? And we say it to our preacher, would you read the Bible for me and then tell me what it says? Or if we have a spouse who loves to read the word of God, we say to our spouse, would you read it for me and then tell me what it says? or our youth minister, or college minister, or whoever it is. We rely on others to read it, and then you tell me what it says. And that is not what Paul is instructing us here on. You take up the sword of the Spirit. Friends, if we're going to have the full armor of God, we can say, well, I've got, I'm saved, so I'm good there. No, you take up the sword of the Spirit. I want you to picture a Roman battalion because Paul would have seen this on so many occasions. I want you to picture a Roman battalion and they are getting ready to engage the enemy in mortal hand-to-hand combat. And the captain of that Roman guard, he stands before him and he says, fellas, I want to make sure that each one of you is standing next to someone who has a sword. So I don't need a sword. No, you'll be fine. Just make sure you're standing next to someone who has a sword. That don't make no sense. Standing next to, yeah, yeah. Or if you're not standing, make sure you're standing to where you can see someone else's sword. And that'll be just fine. I would not want to walk into battle standing next to someone who's holding a sword. 
But folks, that's what we do. The Roman guard says to his troops, how many of you have a sword back at home? He's asking them this question. They're getting ready to go into battle. How many of you have a sword at home? Okay, well, as long as you've got it at home, you're fine because you don't need it here. You take up the sword of the Spirit. Folks, that's individual. And I, if you feel like, boy, you're really... Because, friends, please hear this. Everyone... I'm not going to do this, but if I were to ask this morning, I want to see a physical show of hands. If you've read the Bible within the last, let's be generous and say week. If I were to ask us to be honest and to raise our hands, and I'm not talking about you walked past the Bible, it happened to fall open and you looked, oh, there's the Bible. I'm talking about you read the Bible. You examined it. You delighted in it. You hid it in your heart. You meditate. You focused on the word of God. How many of us, and listen, we are here worshiping in spirit and in truth. That means the Lord is looking at our heart. How many of us, how many of believers in this world of ours are taking up the sword of the spirit? And so folks, we've got to understand how important this is. Paul writes you, and he writes, take the sword of all the metaphors that Paul could have used. Under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he's using the very one that the scripture has shown him to use. Take the sword. And you remember when Paul's writing, which is the word of God, what's the word of God to Paul? Paul's referring to the Old Testament. Right, well, in the Old Testament, how was the sword used? Well, there are two ways that the sword was used. One, it was used for guarding. The sword was used for guarding. We can go, I mean, that would have been Paul's first remembrance of the sword. In Genesis chapter 3, Adam and Eve have sinned. They've been thrown out, have driven out of the Garden of Eden by God. And in order to keep them from trying to come back in, God guards the entrance with angels and a sword. Balaam. Balaam was a prophet. You remember the story about Balaam riding on a donkey? Balaam is running from the Lord, riding on this donkey, trying to go into a place where God doesn't want him to go. God sets an angel right in the middle of the road that the donkey sees, and that angel is holding a sword, guarding the way. And so the sword is meant for guarding. The sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, is meant for guarding. All right, what does Paul mean by that? Psalm 119, verse 9. Look at the screen. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according, by guarding it according to the sword. The sword of the Spirit, which is the word of the God of God. How do we guard ourselves from walking into places where we shouldn't walk? How do we keep ourselves from walking into sin, walking into temptation? How do we keep ourselves from walking through a website that we know we shouldn't be looking at, walking into a theater for a movie that we know we shouldn't see? How do we keep ourselves from walking into places where we know we shouldn't walk? It's got to be the sword of the Spirit that guards our way. The sword of the Spirit, the Word of God, not only can guard our way, it can guard our mouths from saying the things that we should not say. It can guard my eyes from looking at things that I should not look at. 
The sword is meant for guarding, but also the sword is meant for killing. And friends, we can't get away from that. I'm not going to shy away from it. It's right there in the Old Testament. As a matter of fact, God would oftentimes say to his own people, if you do not turn from your ways, other nations, four nations, they will come in and they will attack and many will die by the sword. The sword was used for killing. All right, so then what does Paul mean here? When Paul says, take the sword of the spirit and the sword is meant for guarding and it's meant for killing, what does Paul mean here? Is Paul meaning that you're to take the Bible and you go out into a lost world and you just start killing folks with it. And you're saying, you're wrong. You can't believe you're acting that way. You're acting like a bunch of lost people. And here it is right here in the word of God. Is that what we mean by killing? No, because each one of these pieces of armor is meant for you. You Fasten on the belt of truth. You understand God in a right way. You understand who he really is and who you are in him. You put on the breastplate of righteousness, not a righteousness of your own, but a righteousness of Jesus Christ. And then you walk in that righteousness. You get your feet ready with the gospel of peace. You put on the helmet of salvation. You pay, take up the shield of faith. You take the sword of the spirit and do some killing that's meant for you. What is Paul drawing on? Romans eight thirteen. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. What is the killing that the word of God is meant to do? The sword of the spirit, killing off those deeds of the flesh, doing some killing of, 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 of our own old man. It's not meant for others, it's meant for me. I am to read the word of God and use that sword to do some killing in my own heart. Putting to death those old deeds. That is what is meant by taking the sword of the spirit. And then isn't it interesting? Take the sword of the spirit. Everyone look at your Bible with me. Take the sword of the spirit, verse 17, the latter part. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And I want you to look at the very next verb. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, reading it at all times in the spirit. Does anyone have the word reading it there? No. Take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying. Praying at all times. Isn't it amazing that what Paul connects to the word of God is praying? Now, folks, listen, if you're thinking, well, so that means we're not supposed to read the word of God, quite the opposite. It means that we're supposed to read it, meditate on it, focus on it, memorize it, hide it in our heart, delight in it, keep it, obey it. We're supposed to do it so strongly that the word of God leads to praying. And so I want you to see the connection between the word of God and praying. First of all, it's the word of God that calls us to pray. Friends, you can't read the Bible without seeing calls to prayer. Psalm 55, evening, morning, and noon, I pray to my God. 
In the New Testament, as Jesus was teaching his disciples, they said, teach us to pray. It tells us that Jesus would separate himself from the disciples. He would go up on a mountain and spend all night there in prayer. Whenever you get into Paul's and Peter's letters over and over again, 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, pray without ceasing. Colossians 1, pray continually. Philippians chapter 1, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Always praying. Folks, the scripture calls us to prayer. And so you know that I got to lead a group to the Holy Land. We just got back about a week and a half ago, I guess, now. You know beyond a shadow of a doubt when you're in a Muslim-controlled area, and it's because you'll be walking along, touring, doing all this, and all of a sudden you will hear a haunting sound that is broadcast over the whole area. And it is the Muslim call to prayer. How do they know when to pray? Whenever they hear this voice coming over a speaker and all of us are thinking, well, you know what? That'd be kind of neat if as we went throughout the day, we had a voice calling us to prayer. We do! We do have a voice calling us to prayer. It's the voice of the Holy Spirit working through the word of God, calling us to prayer. That's why Paul says, take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times. And so the word of God calls me to pray. The word of God causes me to pray Every time I read scripture, I see a verse of scripture which convicts me of sin in my heart, areas of my heart that I'm holding back from God, and it causes me to fall before the Lord in confession and to seek his forgiveness. Whenever I'm reading the scripture and I see the radical demands of Jesus Christ, love those who hate you, bless those who persecute you and insult you, It causes me to go before the Lord and to pray, Lord, I can't do this without you. I need you. Whenever I read the scripture and I understand the immense, the enormity of the task before us, and if you're thinking I'm talking about go ye into all the world, that is an enormous task. But friends, I'm talking about train up a child in the way he or she should go. That is an enormous task. Whenever I read things like that, it causes me to go before the Lord and say, Lord, I need you. The word of God calls us to pray. The word of God causes us to pray. The Lord uses the word of God to make clear what I am to pray for. Friends, listen, we know that effective praying is when we are praying according to the will of God. Well, how do we know the will of God? By the word of God. We know the will of God by the word of God. It is when we read and we read, do this for this is the will of God. Do this for this is the will of God. Over and over again in scripture, this is where we understand the will of God. And boy, when we pray according to the will of God, that is effective praying. And then finally, it is prayer that moves the word of the Lord forward. I want you to look at 2 Thessalonians chapter 3. Look at this verse of scripture. Finally, brothers, pray for us that the word of the Lord may speed ahead 
and be honored. And so when we pray the word of the Lord, if you're praying for your kids about certain things in their life, pray that the word of God would speed ahead into their heart and that they would honor the word of God. Pray, pray, pray. And friends, when we do that, when the word of God calls us to pray and when we pray, boy, now there's a perseverance. We are standing firm. Why? Because the word of God will stand forever. Kings and kingdoms will all pass away, but the word of God will stand forever. And so, Lord, I'm going to stand on your word, and that word is connecting me to praying. And so, Lord, I'm going to stand firm, and in standing firm, I proclaim boldly the good news that this world is hungry to hear. Folks, every time we turn on the TV, it just seems like the news gets worse and worse. This world is starving for good news. Where are you going to find it? Take up the sword of the Spirit. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray that in these moments of invitation that we would be so intent, Lord, this morning on getting serious about our walk with you. That, Lord, whatever has been our habit in the past, we are saying to you, Lord, I can no longer be a cultural Christian. I can't be a Christian standing on the sidelines. But, Lord, this day I take up the sword of the Spirit. Lord, I need to use it to guard my way, to guard my mouth, guard my eyes. Lord, I need to use it to do some killing in my own body. And Father, I pray that we would be a house of prayer. Lord, and we can only be a house when individually we commit ourselves, Lord, to pray. Father, I pray that we would stand firm. We would boldly proclaim good news. Thank you, Lord. I pray that many would respond to you today, right now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Would you stand with me?